you find yourself at the hurt take. I am your host, Reese Dobigan. Well, we sit here and the world has not changed. Cats and dogs still do not live together. The sky is still blue and Donald Trump is still the leader of the free world. And Floyd Mayweather has not lost in the sport of boxing. So nothing has changed. Boy, it is a strange thing in combat sports when everybody involved seems to come out ahead. In a sport that trades in devastation and knockouts and wins and losses, somebody is always ends up the loser. And yet, after Saturday night, Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, the spectacle of spectacles, the granddaddy of them all, both men walk out looking like they won to some degree, in some way, shape, or form. Both men walk out wealthier than they were when they walked in. McGregor is seemingly getting credit for going nearly the distance with Mayweather, and Mayweather is getting credit because he wasn't in a boring fight, as he usually is. I mean, thank God we did not get a, a normal Floyd Mayweather fight. Oh, thank God we did not get the Pacquiao fight again. That would have just been awful. I couldn't imagine that. You know, and the other thing about this is the sports of boxing and MMA benefit from this, too. You know, MMA is going to benefit because how many people are going to tune in for McGregor's next UFC fight? How many people who watch this card, this fight, are going to tune in to watch his next UFC bout? They're going to follow him there. So maybe some boxing people, maybe some more casual fans. Either way, more people are going to come to the UFC and watch some MMA and the sport grows. More so, the fact that Conor is getting credit for looking all right makes the sport of MMA more legitimate. These guys are tough. These guys can do these things. They can throw hands. They're talented. They're athletes. Meanwhile, boxing gets to look good because it reminds people, hey, our sport is not dull and old and boring. Boxing is fun and can be very exciting. Now, all that said, I felt a little bit disappointed. I was disappointed. I was disappointed in the fight. A little bit more so by the reaction to it than by the fight itself. I thought the fight itself was, you know, for for what it was, was decently entertaining. The, the, the ebb and flow of the fight was fun. McGregor, you know, appeared stronger in the, in the early going. He got the fans into it early because of his success and the support that, that he was getting. He was kind of the, the fan favorite in this. 
And then Mayweather slowly started taking over the fight, pushing McGregor onto his back foot until finally getting the finish when McGregor fatigued in the 10th. So the narrative, the ebb and flow of the fight was great. I, you know, I enjoyed that part of it. But the reaction is, is just, it's being a bit much here, people. I mean, you know, we showed up expecting the Avengers and we left happy we got Iron Man. You know what I mean? This was not nearly as exciting or as competitive as people are treating it, as we're talking about it. I mean, McGregor was was smiling at the post-fight presser. He was happy after the fight. He clearly did not seem... He, I mean, he seemed pretty pleased with himself. That's not the Conor McGregor that I'm used to seeing. That's not the Conor McGregor that I was used to seeing during the lead-up to this. Frothing at the mouth, playing the mind games, saying, I'm going to knock him out in four. He's not going to be able to to withstand my power. Well, guess what? Seems that we're all ignoring that Mayweather felt his power for three rounds and did very, very little, had very little reaction to it. He put on the earmuffs and he just let McGregor throw. So one of the very reasons that we think that the fight was competitive, that McGregor was throwing combinations and was looking good and was, you know, in, that, in those early rounds, Mayweather gave him those rounds on purpose. This isn't an MMA fight. You can't give away rounds in MMA. In boxing, you can give away rounds. You're fighting for 12. You know, Mayweather can, can give away the first four rounds. And that's only a third of the fight. He's still got two-thirds of the fight left to go. And that's what we saw. So the idea that McGregor was really competitive only came in the rounds in which Mayweather was kind of letting it happen. He wasn't exchanging too much. I think he threw something like 10 strikes in the first two rounds combined. That is not a back-and-forth competitive exchange. That, that, that is not two guys going toe-to-toe on equal footing. You know, it's, it's, it's the famous Sun Tzu quote. A victor chooses the terms under which they wish to engage. And Mayweather chose the terms. He was not going to engage with Connor early. And so Connor got credit for that? For looking good against basically a glorified punching bag? Give me a break. Yeah, and and then later in the fight, as soon as Mayweather decided, you know, not going to wear the earmuffs anymore, and started walking McGregor down, really started showing off his his boxing acumen, started overwhelming McGregor with his angles, his ability to be in a position to land a punch but not be punched back. You know, he used a beautiful straight right uh, throughout the fight uh, to the body against a southpaw that's really unique, kind of punching across yourself to the torso of your opponent sapping McGregor's energy. And listen, he was McGregor was on his back foot for the entire second half of that fight. He was the one backing up. McGregor said that he would be pushing the pace in the lead up to this fight. His coach Kavanaugh said the first guy that takes a step back, that's how I know who will win. If Mayweather takes a step back, we're winning. 
Well, guess what? Conor McGregor did a lot of backing up in that fight. A lot of it. I'm not the only person who thinks so. I mean, you just look at the internet. There's a lot of people who seem to think McGregor's performance was not that great. Hell, Nate Diaz thinks so. He told Brendan Schaub as much. Now where's Brendan Schaub at? Brendan Schaub, of course, said McGregor was an X factor. He was going to be able to ice Floyd. Floyd's never felt power like that. No. Floyd let him throw his patented left hand early. And it didn't work. There's a lot of MMA people trying to save face now. Dana White, you know, tried to cover for McGregor, saying he was very disappointed after the fight in his performance. Really? Because sure didn't look like it. Sure didn't look like it after the fight. Sure as hell didn't look like it at the post-fight presser, standing there posing with Floyd. And sure as hell did not look at partying in the club after. He looked like a guy who got paid. Who got paid and was happy to go 10 rounds. That's not the Conor McGregor I'm used to seeing. You know, admittedly, I think McGregor's cardio was better than I would have expected coming over from MMA. I thought he, I thought he would probably gas sooner. He, but he was throwing. That's more. Listen, that's more volume than he's ever thrown in an MMA fight. Okay. So, yeah, he gassed. He lost because he fatigued in the 10th. But what's interesting about the way he fatigued is, so clearly he can throw volume. Okay. But it seems that, that physiologically, McGregor is primed to go for MMA distances. It was right around halfway through the 8th round when McGregor started to really look fatigued and really looked tired. Well, guess what? Halfway through the 8th round... That's 25 minutes. That is a full championship-level MMA fight. And then he fell off a cliff. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. You know, I, I think part of the thing that really bothered me about this is that, as, as McGregor usually does, he came into this fight and he showed new stuff. He, sh he, he showed a jab, which he rarely uses in MMA. And, you know, it was working at points and not at others, but didn't land as cleanly as some may suggest. His, his, his jab never really snapped Floyd's head back the way a really crisp jab in boxing is meant to do. Although I shouldn't say that. The, the jab is very unique. He can use it in many different ways. Floyd used it fantastic. He would just probe it out there, especially during the finish. You saw the way he would just probe it out there keep the distance, and then pop McGregor with an overhand right. Not an overhand right, I guess, but that right straight. McGregor's body work was very nice early, again, against the glorified punching bag. And he fought off his back foot, which he's never really done in MMA. He looked good. He, he looked good. He brought some new elements. And that is what is so disappointing about this fight to me. This is the thing that, that, that bothers me about this fight having happened. 
Conor McGregor should not have been fighting Floyd Mayweather on this weekend. We should not have been seeing him go 10 rounds only to lose because he got tired against Floyd Mayweather. We should have been seeing Conor McGregor challenging the best of the best at the top of the deepest, toughest division in MMA. We should have been seeing him fight Khabib Nurmagomedov or Tony Ferguson. That's... Or, or Max Holloway. Those are the guys he should have been fighting. Those are challenges. Those are legitimate, real challenges. They're not paydays. They're not fights that he's going to go in there and be happy and lose in 10 rounds as he's likely would have in any other fight, any other time. 99 times out of 100 against Floyd, that's what's going to happen. No, he should have been fighting in MMA and showing that transcendent ability that we've come to admire. That ability to ether guys, to just drop them on the end of his reach with that left hand. That's what we want to see. We don't want to see him against Floyd looking okay, maybe competitive, and then getting tired. No. No, I was very disappointed in that. You know, in boxing, all this means is that in boxing, McGregor can hang with guys and look like he fits without ever having been in the space before. But in MMA, he puts guys away in a style and at a rate we have never seen before. One of those things is far better to watch than the other. One of those things is far more important than the other. A quick note on on I, I, some of the commentary was very interesting to me. Um, Al Bernstein's commentary I thought was incredibly patronizing. I mean, this was a guy who, you know, would say McGregor's footwork actually looked good and would say it almost with a chuckle. There were a few times he said, oh, wow, McGregor's combinations are, are coming up quite nicely, as if this was going to be a surprise. I, I thought his, his, his work was very patronizing. He clearly was a boxing guy who was there for the boxing crowd um, and, and didn't take MMA seriously. Mauro Nalo tried, I think, to compensate. You know, he was being overly analytical. He was... Trying to take, you know, trying trying to trying to be as partisan as he as a uh, as partisan as he could be, um, or anti-partisan. I'm sorry, as could it be could be, and it, and it just it came across a bit dull. I don't think he was really seeing the fight as it actually was. But then again, that's that's not necessarily his job. He's not the the color guy. He's more the play-by-play guy. Shockingly, Polly Mags, Polly Mags, I think did this job because of all the people, he was the only guy. He's the only guy who really see this fight for what it actually was because he has the high-level experience in the boxing ring, and he has actually been in a boxing ring with Conor McGregor. So he knew what McGregor could do. He knew what McGregor could bring to the table, and he knew what Mayweather could do and what Mayweather could bring to the table. He knew how both of these guys were going to overlap. And so I thought he called the fight great. He really kept his personal beef with McGregor out of it. He did not, you know, he didn't let emotion get into it. He was very controlled and insightful. So I thought his view of the fight was was the most accurate. I think he saw it for what it was. You know, when Mayweather's coming up early in the fight, he was the one saying, listen, like, Mayweather's not throwing back. Mayweather's letting McGregor throw in there and, and feel like he's having success. And then later in the fight, when Mayweather walking him down and burning some boys, not making an effort to cut the ring, Paulie was saying, well, yeah, that's because he's taking him up for a run. He's, he's putting him through a marathon. He doesn't want to cut the ring. He doesn't want to keep Gregor in front of him. He wants Gregor to move, constantly be moving around the ring. So I thought the, the commentary was, 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 you know, I guess it was expected, really. I think Paulie's surprised. But they did a good job. 
And in the end, uh, was this fight worth it? Was this fight worth all the lead up? Was this fight worth it based on how it how it turned out? Was this did this fight matter? Listen. Billions, millions of people, millions of people watched this fight. Millions more pirated and didn't even pay. That does make that matter. People paid attention. People paid attention. Listen, Penguins Oilers might be a great game of NHL hockey, but guess what? They put that on cable and they give it away for free and nobody pays attention. This cost a hundred and everybody watched. So I don't think it was nearly as competitive as it was, and I, I think that you know that the, 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 the two camps, the people who are saying give Connor credit because he made it through 10 rounds, even though he promised to finish it in four, give him credit for that. And then the boxing crowd who said, you know, he's lucky he made it 10 rounds of Floyd Mayweather. It's somewhere in between. It's somewhere in between. But both sides, I think the MA guys really talk their mouths and the boxing guys who talk their mouths trying to save a little bit of face here. And they should. They should. Because there was a lot riding on this fight in terms of pop culture, you know. So was the fight worth it? Yeah, it was worth it. It was worth it. What's going to happen next? Well, Conor McGregor says he's open to any and all opportunities. He's, I don't know much more vague he can be than that. I mean, there's anything on the table. We've got Kevin Lee going up against Tony Ferguson for the interim title belt here soon, so maybe he'll face the winner of that. Maybe he'll drop down and fight Matt Holloway for the featherweight belt. McGregor has insisted he's still the featherweight champion. He hates that weight cut. I mean, he looked he looked worn, uh, looked worn out at the weigh-ins for this fight, and he came in at 153. So... I feel like his featherweight days might be over, but or maybe he'll go up against Khabib. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, with McGregor's confidence, he could go up against Khabib while an interim belt is floating around and call himself the champ, and everyone will buy it, and everyone will say, "Yeah, he is the champ," and he'll sound and look and probably fight like the champ. So, I buy that for a dollar. That's for sure. What's next for Floyd? Uh, hopefully, irrelevance. But that's not happening. The best ever. Yeah, maybe. Definitely the shittiest guy to be considered one of the best ever. He says he's done after this. He's, you know, he says he's done. I sure hope so. I don't have any guys to box again. Give me Lachenko. I can't wait. Give me Canelo versus Gennady. Ooh, that, that is going to be a great fight. If you're listening to this, people, watch that fight. 16th of September. That's a real fight. That is going to be a hell of a fight. Much better than this one. Much, much better. You know, it's hard It's hard to fathom that there could be any story within the combat sports world last week that could make a blip, a blip in the news cycle. And yet, we got one. It's doozy. Hashtag, maybe you heard, John Jones popped hot. John Jones popped hot. Has been provisionally suspended by USADA. Jones tested potentable, which is uh, apparently a weightlifter steroid most famous for its prevalence by the East Germans, who used to dominate the Olympics for decades. Wow, so it's an Eastern Bloc steroid. I'm imagining cement. I'm imagining concrete gyms with no air conditioning, uh, giant, giant brick weightlifter sets, all free weights, steel everywhere. That's what I'm imagining. That's where John Jones must have been doing all of his all of his training. Some Eastern Bloc gym. Oh my God! So apparently it's a steroid. Uh, it apparently passes through your system pretty quickly. Uh, you know, 
So, which is interesting because Jones's test came from the July 28th weigh-in, first fight with Andrea at USC 214. So, apparently, according to Malikawa, his manager, uh, Jones passed two random out-of-competition tests on July 6th and July 7th. Uh, which they, you know, they test for all the, for turnable, they test for that. And then he popped for a test he was coming on July 28th. So those things are hard to reconcile. On one hand, you go, yeah, you can be that stupid that you would take that steroid so close to a test you know is coming. But at the same time, it's a steroid which apparently can pass through your body quickly. So it's an ideal steroid to use right near a competition. Those things don't seem to reconcile. Uh, the UFC has not stripped him of his light heavyweight title as of yet. Um, he's he's owed due process. Obviously, we'll wait and see if if his B test comes back positive, which most people are expecting that it will. Um, maybe the UFC will strip him then, or maybe they will wait out the appeal process and consider. But I, I mean, I would, I, the way that's looking right now, I mean, if if they, if they didn't just use the evidence they had at their disposal right now, they would probably just strip him. I would think after this, this is bad. This is. His second failed test, his third test that has shown a substance in his system that you shouldn't be in your system. Of course, he had the cocaine in his system prior to his first Daniel Cormier fight and failed the second uh, before the second fight at UFC 200 another time. Jones's team is claiming a tainted supplement. I think one of his, I think one of his teammates or coaches is even going one step further, saying that 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 someone spiked something on, someone's to get him. But either way, they're saying it's a tainted supplement. Uh, you know, which has happened before. This is not, apparently this is not a new thing in the world of uh, sports supplements. There's a lot of supplements that apparently will hit the market, brand new supplements, and the companies will kind of dose them with real steroids to increase the effect and the results for their users and then slowly wean it out. So that way people are seeing the results and they continue to buy the product. So this isn't, this that, that's not an unreasonable excuse. And John Jones's teammate, Yo Romero, successfully argued that a supplement he was using was tainted, and it had his suspension reduced. So this, there's a precedent for this. But now the ironic thing, of course, is that, as we know, the test he failed before UFC 200 was for, and his excuse was that he was taking pills for penile dysfunction. A problem that apparently, if you saw the Conor McGregor Floyd Mayweather weigh-ins, Conor McGregor doesn't have a problem with. I'm just going to leave that there. Depending on how... Strange you are. Maybe you'll look that up. But anyway, I think it's so ironic. It's amazing. Tom Jones used the Anderson Silva excuse to defend himself with that one. And now he's going to use the Yoel Romero excuse this time around. He's just following the playbook. Now, Jones hasn't made any public statement at this point other than kind of a strange tweet on Monday saying, you know, these are the times, I'm paraphrasing here, but basically saying these are, the times like these uh, make you understand what you're grateful for, what things grateful for. I don't know. If it's, my guess is he's definitely not grateful for turnable or drug testing. Bet you he's not grateful for that. Now, obviously, this is, this is huge, 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 huge news. I'm leaving this at this point, but without saying that... The, John Jones is one of the greatest who have ever done this sport. Maybe the greatest who's ever done this sport. He's, he's easily the most talented, I think, I've ever seen who's done this sport. His physicality, his athleticism, uh, his approach, his mindset for it. He's next level. So this is incredibly, incredibly disappointing. When I saw the notification pop, pop up on my phone, man, I just 
I was legitimately shocked. I was shocked. Not that not that he got he caught got caught or he done it again. I was legitimately shocked that this could happen again. You know, I knew that Jones what he was capable of, so him doing it's not a surprise. But the fact that it did happen again absolutely shocked me. There's so much to this to unpack. You know, John Jones. There's no excuse for this. You know, he might say there was a tainted supplement. Well, guess what? You saw a you saw it takes guys supplements. You can nail them your supplements and have them pre-approved, pre-tested for you, so you have something to fall back on. So that when you fail a drug test, you send you say, "Listen, I you tested that so you can do that. You tested that supplement. That's the supplement I've been taking. You can do that. That gives you credibility." Was he doing that? Of all the guys who should have been doing that, John Jones is on that list of guys who should have been doing that, and he, he didn't. He must not have. There's no excuse. You know, his agent said, you know, Jones is one of the, John is one of those guys, he's so talented, he doesn't need to cheat. He doesn't need, well, then why need to be taking all these fan-tangled supplements? Man. Take some magnesium. Take some creatine or some crap, I don't care. Take some vitamins. What do you be using all these fan-tangled supplements for if you're so damn talented? If you don't need drugs to cheat, what, works both ways, man. This is incredibly disappointing. Because if, if he is suspended... Because this is this is his second test failure, he could be suspended for four years. Four years. I mean, he's thirty. He come back at thirty-four. He still has time to have a, a career. And, and but the game will have moved on. Who knows what will have happened to him athletically, if he's if he will regress. So while this a suspension would not be a death sentence. And it's not a really a life sentence. This is like 25 to life. He's getting a long... He is going away for a while with a chance of parole, a chance to come back, but he'll, he'll be gone long enough that people will forget about him, that his reputation will be sullied. The crime is still the crime. And after all of this... After all of this, I gotta say, I, I feel worse for Daniel Cormier than anyone in this situation. And I am not a Daniel Cormier fan, particularly. I think he's an interesting guy. I think his story is fascinating. I think he's one of the greatest to ever fight. But his personality sometimes, yeah, can rub you the wrong way. But listen, nobody, no competitor no athlete deserves to have to go through this. His career is defined by his losses to John Jones. His career is defined forever linked to John Jones. And for the second time, the third time John Jones has been involved in a bit of a drug scare with the cocaine and then with, they've all swirled around Cormier. And now Cormier is at that age where he said it himself. If Jones is punished for this, Cormier will never have the chance to have a third crack at him. And ultimately, the second fight gets an asterisk beside it. Might even become a no contest. Cormier will be, not, will be too old to get that chance to get that W against the guy who is tainted when they fought. And that is an absolute tragedy.
for an athlete to have that hanging over them. You know, for if you if you have played any kind of sport at any competitive level, level, you know that it's the losses that follow you. It's the losses you talk about the most. They're the things that you live with the longest. Your victories yeah, they're great, but it's the losses, it's the ones that got away. Cormier's loss, the one that got away from him, is going to be haunting. I feel for him. John Jones messed up. And Daniel Cormier was his victim. And this time, it wasn't even in a cage. I want to thank you for listening to The Hurt Take. Make sure you check out our website, notthepublicbroadcaster.com. Check out the Doughboy's work. Check out some of my writing. Make sure to download the show on iTunes. Review us. Comment. Rate us. Every little bit helps. Follow me on Twitter at R-D-O-W-B at R-D-O-B. Give me a follow. Like our Facebook page. Help us grow, people. People helping people. Let's do it. Thank you very much for listening for the MMA podcast by the fans, for the fans. I have been your host, Reese Dobigan, and I am out. <laughs>